Good afternoon, teen ministry. What's up? How are we doing? All right, we are going to go ahead and get started on our lesson today. Um, for you guys who I do not know personally, uh, my name is Marcus Thomas. This is Alexia Thomas. And uh, we lead the teens in Potomac Valley. Potomac Valley teens, what's up? There we go. All right, so if everybody would go ahead and take a seat. Um, we're going to go ahead and get started on our lesson today. Um, we're going to hop right into it because we don't have a ton of time. Um, so we really want to make sure that uh, we get, um, you know, deep into this lesson. As people come in, because people will, um, if, they're, if they're part of your ministry, uh, try not to disturb everything as people are finding seats. Um, you can always bring them in. And, uh, and, 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 and make sure that we can continue everything going. But before we do that, let's all bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, um, I want to thank you right now for, for the teen ministry. God, I want to thank you for the future of your church. God, I want to thank you for the leaders in this room. Uh, the people who will go on to lead churches, to lead families. God, to lead campuses. God, the teens that will go on to genuinely change the world. God, I pray right now that you would take away any distraction that's in any of our minds. God, please take away anything that would block your word being heard uh, by this group right now. And, and, and truly allow them uh, to be uh, inspired by you. God, I'm going to do my best to preach. And I know Lexi will too. But God, I pray so much, God, that you speak uh, to the heart's of the teens in this room. God, I respect this ministry so much. God, I think so highly of them and what they can accomplish. God, and I pray so much just that today can be a step in that direction. God, I thank you so much uh, just for everything you've done, your son that makes this possible. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen. 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 So the title of this lesson for you guys who are taking notes and reading along in your Bibles, the title of this lesson is Fight or flight. Fight or flight. Raise your hand if you've heard of that term before. There you go. If you were paying attention in school, ever, ever, in science class or what have you, you should know about this. I'm going to explain literally what fight or flight is, and then I'm going to talk about how that, uh, that metaphor pertains to What's going on with you guys and with all of us spiritually? Um, and hopefully uh, you guys will understand what's going on. Fight or flight is defined as the instinctive psychological response to a threatening situation, which readies one for either resisting forcibly or running away. It's an instinctive thing that we have in us that will ready you when something gets real you're either getting ready to run away or you're getting ready to fight. The fight or flight response, also known as acute stress response, refers to a psychological reaction that occurs in the presence of something that is terrifying, either mentally or physically. So you can literally have fight or flight response if, a, if you're afraid of dogs and a large dog runs at you that has happened in my life, you will be immediately triggered with fight or flight response. For me, that meant running away very fast. And I did. Um, or 
you can also be triggered by something mentally. Meaning, it doesn't necessarily have to be a physically dangerous situation. Some of you walk into class and you didn't know that that test was this week, today, and you walk in and, and there it is in front of you on your desk, you're gonna have a fight or flight response. Now here's the problem. You can't fight a test and running out of that classroom ain't gonna help you. <laughs> so now you've got all of this adrenaline pumping through your system with nowhere to put it. They say that this response is actually hardwired into your brain. In the time of early men, early cavemen, this actually was one of the most pivotal factors to keeping us alive. If not for the flight or flight response, there would be no human beings. Because what it does is it raises your awareness, right? You get a surge of adrenaline. You actually are more aware of what's going on around you. You actually get more strength than you would commonly have. Have you ever heard of those stories of like moms picking a car up because their baby's under, you know, like in a, in a car accident? And you think that's impossible, but things like that actually do happen because of this flight or fight reaction, right? And so this is a very important thing. Here's what's interesting. Fight, flight. They're two opposing reactions. They're, they're two different things and they're triggered by the same thing. Think about that. You, are, you have these two completely different reactions. Run away or like squat up, like let's go, we gonna fight. And it's two, but it's the same reaction and it triggers two vastly different responses. Today we're gonna look at how this reaction plays out in our spiritual lives. And in this, this battle of good and evil that you find yourself in right now as a team. Now, for this lesson to be effective, there is a, a truth that you have to accept. And I want, if you're writing, writing down notes, if you're not, write it on your brain. I need you to understand this truth. And I'm not being dramatic. We are at war. You are at war. Whether or not you know it, whether or not you accept it, there is a literal, actual war happening right now and you are smack dab in the middle of it i believe that your generation as teens are more in the middle of it than our generation i believe that the war is more intense for you than it is for your parents and i know everybody feels like their hardest day is their hardest day but i'm going to tell you i feel like i have been seeing satan coming after your generation in a way that I've never seen them come after a generation. If this lesson's gonna mean anything to you, you have got to accept that truth. You are at war. If you want to, you can flip over to Revelation 12. And we're gonna look in verse seven. We're gonna, we're gonna look at this war that we're at because this is not 
the war that you see on the news. This isn't bullets. This isn't missiles. It's actually more intense than that. Revelation 12, verse 7. Do your best to picture this scenario. Then war broke out in heaven. This is real. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. We're talking about Satan, the devil. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth. Where are we right now? Earth. He was hurled down here. And his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and power of the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice all you heavens and you who dwell in them. Check this out. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. There is an ongoing spiritual war happening right now. The devil has been hurled down the earth where we are and understand that he is angry. He is mad. He's officially lost the real battle. Jesus is victorious. But there's still time for him to mess some stuff up. And that's what's going on now. You guys are God's creation. You're his crown jewel. He loves you. You're his children. Every single one of you. That's why he wants you to become disciples so bad. Because he wants you to be with him. Understand this. If you want to mess with somebody, you mess with their kids. And so the devil is coming after us. And I believe in my heart that he is coming after your generation harder. I can only believe that it's because your generation is supposed to do something amazing. And he doesn't want you to do it. And he is coming after you guys. When you look out, you will see the signs of this war. Look around your schools. Look around your churches. Look in your own lives. Families are currently being broken by the devil. Right now, convictions are being compromised. You see it in your friends. You see it in yourselves, maybe. That is a sign of the war. People are giving in to a reliance on drugs. There is a literal opioid crisis. People are popping pills at a rate that is just astronomical right now. That is a sign of the war. Young people your age there's, are, are, are literally being sold into, into sex slavery, into trafficking. You hear about this on the news. It's a real thing. This is a real war. Right now, at a, at a rate that I can't even get my head around, you've got young people your age losing the battle to depression and suicide. You see it, don't you? I'm not making this stuff up. This is the world you live in. If that's not a war, I don't know what is. Except the fact that you are at war. 
And your ability to recognize that fact may be all the difference in the ability to stand and fight or to run away. And let's be clear, when it comes to war, the objective is to fight. Nobody goes to war to run away. And so that is what we have to choose. But like I said, you've got this terrifying thing in front of you, and you've got these two reactions that you can have. How do you choose? Here's my first point. A split second to choose. Since our bodies are being triggered by two opposing actions, how do we choose between running and fighting? The difference may lay in, lie in this word right here. Write it down if you're taking notes. Preparation. Your, and this is something that they literally say about fight or flight. Your reaction, whether or not you run or fight, has almost everything to do with your environment, the way you came up, training, and your mindset. That, that will determine what happens in that split second. If you are trained, if you are ready, I took a self-defense course where they taught us how to disarm somebody who comes at you with a knife or a gun, right? And so in my mind, now I actually have some degree of training. So there's something there that I, can, that, that, that I might run, go to in that split second. I'll tell you right now, before that training, I had made up my mind I was just gonna run. I ain't trying to disarm nobody. I still might not, depending on the distance between me and them. I'm just gonna be real with you. But if you don't have training, you're usually gonna go to running. If you have not come up in an environment where you have had to fight and fight and fight, you're not gonna think fight. Most people think run. Spiritually, if you're not prepared, then that is what you will do as well. Terrifying things, real things are going to happen to you. You're going to be called to be bold with your friends. You're going to be called to make spiritual decisions about what to do with your life. You're going to be called to give your life to God or continue living for yourself. And what you're going to do if you're not ready and you're not thinking about it and you're not prepared is you're going to run. You're going to deflect. You're trying to try to get out of the way. Or if you're prepared, we've all heard that scripture about putting on the armor of God. If you're ready to fight, if you've got on armor, if you've been thinking about war, then when something comes at you, you're more likely to go to battle. That is what we need to be. Spiritually, we have to be ready to fight or we will run. The question is, what does running look like practically? Lexi is going to share a little bit about that. Come on, baby. All right, y'all. What does running look like? So one of the most prevalent ways that we run and don't fight is to just take the easy way out. I mean, it's not like... You're standing there, like Marcus said, with a knife or a gun. You don't, you just, you just take the easy way out. You didn't just, you know, choose. Some of the first fights that I encountered as a new disciple were not real fights, spiritual fights, were invitations to lead and to be trained. And for months, I found loopholes. 
I was a grad student, my schedule, I was like, sorry, I can't make that, you know, my schedule, I have so many classes. Oh, I'm sorry, I have two roommates, they're not disciples, so they don't really, you know, I can't host stuff at my house, because they don't feel that, you know. Mm. Or, I don't, you know, I'm new to this faith, like I'm a brand new disciple, I don't feel like comfortable sharing my faith yet. But this was me taking the easy way out. Right. I counted the cost, just like every disciple in here. I knew about the commitment to meetings of the body, about personally sharing my faith, and about fulfilling the scriptures. Turn with me quickly over to 1 Corinthians 3, 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. You are still not ready, indeed. Listen, by growing spiritually and weaning from milk to solid food is what the author was talking about here to the Corinthian church. You have to grow up. I needed to grow up then, and I needed to get rid of those excuses. And I still have excuses today. New job, new place, two kids, different stuff. It's just excuses. Come on. You have them, I have them, we all have them. Get rid of them. Mm. No more excuses. The time is now to get rid of them. God wanted to use me in my weakness. He wanted to use my busy schedule. He wanted to use my roommates who didn't know God. He wanted to, to use my new faith. And he wants to use the weaknesses in your life too. Your weaknesses are not excuses. They're God's glory waiting to be born. Mm. The Bible has ample warriors to serve as a reference for fight or flight. But what about those who weren't warriors? They just chose to stand in the face of adversity or challenge. They had a choice. You have a choice. Let's look at the story of Ruth and Naomi. Naomi married a man and left Bethlehem for another city because Bethlehem was in a famine. She left there with her husband, they had two sons, and over the next 10 years, her husband would die, and then the first son, and then the second son. And what she was left with were her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Faced with certain poverty, Naomi decided to return back to Bethlehem, just in hopes that someone who knew her 10 years ago could help her. Without their husbands, earning income and staying fed in that culture would be very difficult. But Naomi knew that Orpah and Ruth would have to leave their families here in this country land that they were in and go all the way back to Bethlehem, where they had never been before. They weren't, they weren't from Bethlehem. Not wanting to take their youth away or their chances of remarrying, Naomi told the ladies, return to your families, stay here in your homeland, go back to your gods, stick with what you know, I'll go on my own. Orpah decides to be like, you're right. I'm going to go back to my family. She took the easy way out. And this is where we pick up in the story. Turn to Ruth 1, verses 15 through 17. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go... I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. 
Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Naomi was a ride or die chick. <laughs> Would y'all have made that decision? Like, hey, um, I know you were married to my son and he died. Um, and you could stay here with your family, but I'm going to go back to this town that I was from 10 years ago that had a famine. I don't know what's left. I don't know if anybody knows me. It might be hard, but I'm hoping that God will provide. Do you want to come? Or do you want to stay here with everybody that you know and everything that's familiar? Are you that steadfast? Are you that sincere in your faith? Come on. That, that you would trust God to provide with you, provide for you in this situation? This, I mean, we experience daily challenges. Like, I'm not a morning person. I don't want to pray with you at 6 a.m. I'm not a night person either, actually. I just want to go to sleep when I get home from school, and I'll see you over the weekend. Like, daily challenges that you have to wrestle with. But you have to fight. Because like Marcus said, this is a war. Mm -hmm. Do you look for the way out? Are you looking for battles to fight? Ruth decided to stay. She stuck with Naomi. And by the way, spoiler alert, God blesses that. So go back and read the rest of Ruth. And Marcus is going to tell us more about the battles to fight. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. A little bit of clapping. Amen. So, like Lexi says, not Ruth decides that I'm going to stay down. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to look for the easy way out. And that is huge. Because there are so many opportunities to get out of some junk. Especially, and I'm going to hit this one, when you're young. Because you're young. And I'm young. I don't, look at me, I'm young. I mean, I'm just so... Young. Look, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, beyond the shadow of a doubt, your youth is not even a weakness. You are the fire. I love the ministries ahead of you. I love campus. I love singles. I love married. You guys are the fire of this church. You are the leaders of tomorrow. Understand that. Some of you will be leading this thing. Now it's God's church, but you will be called. Right now, we need you to be leaders. Right now, we need you to stand up. That's the next thing that we have to look at. Taking a stand. What I would like to look at is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. This is David and his mighty men. And I want you to look at the way these brothers had to take a stand. I'm just going to read the account of them. Let's start in 2 Samuel 23. And we're going to look at uh, verse 8. It says, these are the names of David's mighty warriors. Joseph. Bashabeth, Atakmanite, 
was chief of the three. Listen to this. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. 800. There's not 800 people in this room. And he handled 800 people in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodal, the, ah the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamim for battle. They were taunting the Philistines. Hey, come down off that hill. You won't fight me. They were taunting the Philistines. But Eliot, then, check this out, the Israelites retreated. But Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agathy, the Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place that was full of, of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about great victory. And it goes on and on talking about the exploits of these warriors. These men had made up their mind that they were going to battle. And they were going to fight. Not only did they make up their mind that they were going to battle, but they made up their mind that they were going to battle and not retreat. Pay attention to this. You don't do stuff like this as soldiers unless you've made up your mind prior that either I'm leaving or you're leaving. But we're not running away. Picture the scene. It says one of them literally, the, 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 whole, the whole army is running away. And he literally takes his stand in the middle of the field. I picture him just throwing a spear down and everybody's coming at him. And literally, it's like either, either I'm dying or you're dying. But we're going to fight this out right here. I'm not running. I will not retreat. I would rather go out fighting than retreat. That's a warrior. Brothers, sisters, that's a warrior. That's fight. That is the, that they were serving our God. That is the type of attitude that we have got to have. When everybody is retreating, one stood their ground. Will you be the one? Or do you need everybody to stand their ground with you? Understand how a retreat works. One or two people start to back up and everybody else takes it as a cue. Well, if he's running, I'm running. If she goes, I go. If he, go, if he starts compromising, maybe I compromise. If she doesn't share her faith, maybe I don't share my faith. Maybe the whole ministry is not doing well. So maybe I cannot do well. Because this disciple thing isn't easy. She doesn't study, maybe I don't study. Nobody's really studying right now. I'm just talking real. Is this real, teens? Can I be real? And some of you are sitting around waiting on people to stand for something that you need to stand for. That you need to do. This is what it means to step up. And that's what's needed right now. As a generation, 
as a ministry, think about your ministry. Who will be the ones to step up? Or are you going to communally settle for mediocrity? Are you going to, as a group, retreat? Listen to what happened when he stepped up and literally took out 800 people by himself. Then everybody came back. But it was done. I killed everybody already. And they just rolled up and they, they helped strip the dead. You know, okay, well, let's get them swords and go back home. When you step up, you will rally your ministry. You will rally the teens around you. If you step up. Or do you want to wait to be rallied? Are you hoping that she steps up? Are you looking for him to step up? Because, you know, he's, he's an upperclassman. I'm just a freshman. Once again, I'm young. Look at me, I'm so young. Are you waiting for campus to step up? Are you waiting for your parents to tell you to take the world? Do not wait. Everybody successful on this planet, one thing that they have in common is at some point they stopped waiting on someone to tell them to be successful. You have everything you need right now to battle and to war and to step up. And look, we will make mistakes and we will fall. But guess what? God will continue to use us in spite of what we don't know. Stepping up, there's so many times. I can tell you about times where I have and then times where I was like, that was a dumb idea. But you know what? We're going to keep going. We're going to keep fighting. Guys, I'm begging you. It's time for some of you to really step up. It's time for some of you to really decide to be leaders. It's time for some of you to decide to get in this battle. Stop watching it. Now, some of you, we're in different places, but there's some people in this room who know it's time. Will you be the one? I have a charge for you specifically, ladies. Don't be Orpa. <laughs> don't be Orpa. Don't that be. was the end of her story. That's why you don't know who Orpa is. She's just, that was, that was it. She left and went back to her people and her gods, her popularity, her scholastic excellence, her wanting to be part of the crowd, her gods, and that was the end of her story. <coughs> don't let it be the end of your story. We want to hear more about what you've done, how you're great for God. Ruth left with Naomi and went back to Bethlehem, and it was hard. She literally put her hand to the plow. She walked behind the men in the fields and picked up the wheat that they dropped. And God took notice of her, her hard work, her perseverance, her humility. It takes a lot of humility to be a beggar in the streets. To go back with a woman who had a family once, no one knows you, and you're literally walking behind the men in the fields, picking up enough wheat to make bread that night so you can survive today so you can go tomorrow. Mm. That's what it feels like sometimes when you go to school and people are literally like beating you up mentally. When you're wondering, is there going to be another bomb threat today? Are we going to have another shooter drill? Are that girl that I know that's always sad, is she going to be here next week? Like this weighs on you mentally. You drag. It's hard. It's not easy stuff, and we're not talking about fake stuff. This is real. 
I understand the challenge. But you have to persevere. Mm -hmm. If you can't be the light, like Marcus said, if you can't step up, no one might be the light. And then all of those people around you in the darkness might perish when you could have helped save them. You could have shown them the way. Ruth, she was working hard and persevering. God took notice of her and he provided. He provided for her. He provided for Naomi. The two of them provided an example for how widows are to be taken care of in the church. It was an example for all the believers. And you can do that. You can be that. Don't let your story just stop. Stay in the fight. Amen. Here's my charge to the men and the women. Here at the ACR retreat, make up your mind, teens, to start changing the world today. We need you guys now. The church needs you now. Show the other generations what fire looks like. Push. Go beyond what people expect of you. We need you now. I charge you to repent today. To repent now. In some situations, we're not stepping up because there is a, there's a decision to repent that we need to take. Because we have been sitting back and not just not stepping up. We've been falling back into old sin. And we've been blending in. And we've been compromising. And we've been doing things and going places and being a way that we know we shouldn't and we said we wouldn't. I know what it feels like. Here's the amazing thing. Repentance can happen right now. Right now. And you can walk out of this room and you can talk to a friend and you can start something new right now. If you got to repent, repent. Get up in this fight. Don't let Satan weigh you down. Ultimately, guys, I'm charging you to fight today. Be fighters. Be disruptive. Have an edge. Get in there. Like, there's, there's no reason to sit back and let stuff happen to you, happen to something. That is what I'm charging you guys to do. Get a dream. Envision what it could be like at your school. Envision people reacting to what you say. Envision what God can do through you and, and then start acting on that dream. The most exciting thing about me getting to talk to you is I'm literally talking about stuff that you can do. You have it to do. You have, you're in the position to do it. The only, Lexi mentioned excuses. I'm in school, I'm this, I'm that. Listen, anybody that tells you that you have reason to wait to be great, count that as an excuse. And you get out there and you find something to fight for. There are plenty of people walking around your school right now who need somebody to fight for them. It's real life. And you see it. And you walk by it. Or you can fight for them. 
You can fight for their heart. You can fight so that they're not feeling the way that they're feeling. You can then fight for their souls. See, yes, this is about making disciples, but it's also just about helping people who need help. People need to be fought for. We need to be fought for. I needed to be fought for, and somebody did that. That's how we're going to make it. That's how you're going to save your generation. So in closing, guys, I'm challenging you. Go out there, find a fight, and let's fight. Amen? Awesome. You guys have about 20 minutes or so. You guys can just hang out here, have some good fellowship. And, uh, yep, we will see you guys around.